So everything we see around us is made up of what we call fundamental particles. And these are particles that, even with an infinite amount of energy, couldn't be broken down into smaller parts, as far as we know. So far, we've discovered 18 fundamental particles. And these are described by the standard model of particle physics. This is a very grand name for our theory of how these particles behave and interact with each other. But it's well-deserved. The standard model is an irritatingly good theory. We built a 27-kilometre tube underground, the Large Hadron Collider, to smash particles together at higher energies than ever before. And so far, everything we've seen there, all the particle interactions we've seen, have obeyed the standard model perfectly. So what's the problem here? The theory is a huge success. Well, there are a few problems, actually. The first one comes not from experiments on Earth, but from looking very carefully at space. I'm talking about dark matter, which basically boils down to a huge number of unexplained observations about space. We've spent a very long time looking and collecting data about stars and galaxies and how fast they're moving and how they're moving. And all of this data we've collected leads us to think that there is a whole lot more mass out there in the universe than can be explained by just the particles we know about in the standard model. There's also a different kind of problem with our current theory of particles. For example, the heaviest particle in the standard model, the top quark, is 300,000 times heavier than the electron, the particle that makes up electricity. We know that particles get their masses by interacting with the Higgs boson. But this theory doesn't actually tell us what the masses are. We measure the masses with an experiment, and then we just shove them into the theory as input parameters. So why do particles have the masses they do? And why is there such a huge range of masses? I don't know if this is even a scientific problem or a philosophical one, but it can certainly be used to motivate new ideas for new particles. And that's what I do. I look for new particles, but I don't look for new particles using experiments on Earth. I look for new particles in space. Now, you might think there's a bit of a size issue looking for new particles in space, but space is actually chock full of particles. For example, one of the more mysterious particles in the standard model is the neutrino. Neutrinos are very light particles that are produced in some kinds of radioactive decay. And 10,000 million million neutrinos go through your body from space every second. There are some incredibly energetic processes in space. The sun, every second, produces as much energy as 100 million billion lightning bolts. And a supernova, which is basically an exploding star, produces as much energy as we'd get if we could burn the entire world's supply of fossil fuels 10,000 billion billion times over. Space reaches energies that we could never reach here on Earth, and space does experiments for us that we could never do here on Earth. And with this colossal amount of energy, space literally pre-accelerates particles and drops them on our head. So why don't we feel all these particles that are whizzing through us the whole time? 
That's a very good question, but a more fundamental question is why do we feel anything at all? For example, why is a table solid? As a child, I had this intuitive idea that things were solid because they had mass. But a little thought shows this can't possibly be right. What do we mean when we say that a table is solid? We mean that if I try to put my hand through the table, the table repels my hand. That's not normally how we would put it, but that's basically what's going on. When I try to put my hand through the table, my hand experiences a very strong repulsive force that stops it from going any further. But gravity is an attractive force. It pulls objects towards the ground, the moon towards the earth, and the earth towards the sun. So how could mass, which leads to the force of gravity, be responsible for the table repelling my hand? Actually, part of the reason that objects are solid is due to the electromagnetic force, which encompasses electricity and magnetism. Objects with the same electric charge, either both positively charged or both negatively charged, repel each other. Now, the atoms that make up our bodies and furniture and pretty much everything else we see are composed of a positively charged nucleus made of protons and neutrons, surrounded by negatively charged electrons. And when my hand touches what we call the surface of the table, the electrons on the outside of my hand are interacting with the electrons on the outside of the table in such a way that they repel each other. Electrons are very light particles, actually. They're 2,000 times lighter than a proton or a neutron. And according to quantum mechanics, electrons, along with all other particles, should be described as these ghostly probability clouds. But as you can see, the force between them ends up being very powerful and very real. Some particles, like neutrinos, don't experience the electromagnetic force. They don't have any electric charge, so they can just whiz through our bodies without really interacting with any of the atoms we're made of. And that's why we don't feel them. They just go straight through without interacting with us. I'm not looking for neutrinos, though. The particles I'm looking for, axions, might not even exist. Now, we're trying to look for axions because string theory, which is a theory that tries to explain absolutely everything, as different patterns of vibration on tiny strings, predicts that axions do exist. Now, axions, like neutrinos, hardly ever interact with the matter that we're made of. So if they do exist, they will be very hard to detect. And my job is to try to work out what we would see on the night sky if axions did exist, and then compare that to what we actually do see. And in this way, we can try and work out whether they exist or not. Now, one way that I'm looking for them is using the fact that in a magnetic field over a very large distance, there's a small probability that an axion will turn into a photon. That's a particle of light that we can see with a telescope. Now, when I say a large distance, I don't mean a few miles. I mean the size of a galaxy or a galaxy cluster, so about a billion billion miles. And that's why I need space. I could never do that experiment on Earth because I don't have access to a billion, billion miles here. I need space to do my experiments for me, to help us work out whether axions exist 
and possibly ultimately work out whether or not string theory is true. These days we have all kinds of incredibly advanced experiments looking at space. We've launched telescopes into space. We've put neutrino detectors two kilometres under the ice at the South Pole. We put 370 kilograms of xenon surrounded by 70,000 gallons of water in an abandoned gold mine in South Dakota in an as yet fruitless attempt to discover dark matter particles. But there are things that you can find out about the universe just by looking at the stars in your own back garden. For example, people used to think that we lived in an eternal, static, infinite universe. But surely in an infinite, static universe, there'd be an infinite number of stars just sitting there shining at us. In that universe, the night sky would be completely bright. But that's not what we see in the night sky. We see darkness punctuated by a few stars. So the darkness of the night sky you'll see tonight is actually evidence that our universe began with a Big Bang. And starting from that, and ending with the telescopes that are orbiting the Earth right now, there's still a lot we can learn about physics by looking at the stars. Thank you. <laughs>